there's a circle of life and there's a circle of mentoring relationships too. In fact, there are four stages to a mentoring relationship. We've been focusing for most of this podcast on the first two phases, where mentors and mentees figure out if they will suit each other, establish what they want to accomplish, and get down to mentoring. But eventually, if the mentoring is successful, the roles of the mentor and mentee will change, and the mentoring relationship will change too. The mentor and mentee might pull apart, and the mentee may start the cycle over again, this time acting as a mentor themselves. In our episode about the importance of mentoring programs, I spoke with Luis Dominguez Jr. Luis told me about a program he joined in undergrad called the Scholars Academy. This program was one of the first places where Luis found community in STEM. But it was also a place where, as time went on, his role in a mentoring relationship shifted. When Luis joined the Scholars Academy, he was newer to his academic environment and young in his STEM career. He looked at the students who were further along in their careers, and something about them really stood out. There were some students that were, you you couldn't help but have admiration for them. They had several research, perhaps papers published already. They had several internships under their belt. They had an, an offer already waiting for them. And I, I couldn't help but think of raising my my standards or raising my work ethic just by, I often think back to them as uh, often necessary within the community. They're sort of like torchbearers, if you will, of what's possible. And that really struck me. These students were Luis's role models. He wanted to work hard like they did and find similar opportunities. Time went on, and eventually, these torchbearers graduated and moved on. That's when Luis's role began to change. I recall a freshman, very enthusiastic freshman, asking me questions about, oh, you you know, you did this research project, you did that. And, and it reminded me of how I felt when I first encountered the torchbearers, if you will, uh, that, that I had so much admiration for. And it, it really gave me that distinct feeling of leadership of someone in the community leading, showing the path to to others that don't know of the path. I found that to be quite, quite, quite powerful. When Luis told me about becoming the role model younger students looked up to, I realized it was a really important moment, an exciting shift where roles change and suddenly the mentee gets the opportunity to be a mentor. This is The Science of Mentorship, a podcast from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine that explores the mentoring skills that can and should be learned to unleash everyone's potential in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and medicine. I'm your host, Bethany Brookshire. Like Luis, a lot of students told me about these special moments where their roles changed and they were suddenly the ones supporting others. But throughout these stories, I noticed a theme. As special as it was to start mentoring relationships from these new perspectives, a lot of these students found it was just as intimidating as it was exciting. I thought of Carrie Schaefer. In Carrie's time as a science policy fellow, she had three different mentors. Then summer started, new programs began, and Carrie found herself taking on two new interns, and it was her responsibility to effectively mentor them. I guess the biggest thing is that it's just harder than I expected. Carrie quickly realized that she wasn't sure how to approach this kind of formal mentoring relationship from the mentor's side. We have our two summer interns right now. They both start at, um, you know, the same time. They're around the same age and everything. And I think for me, 
I was very hesitant to treat them differently in any sort of way um, first coming in. And so, you know, it was like they're doing the same program. They start at the same time. I need everything they do needs to be exactly the same. But then I was like, I realized in wanting to treat them the same, it was actually to their detriment because, you know, they kind of need that individualized treatment to make sure that they're going to be able to succeed. And then you start to realize that they're different people. They have different learning styles. The way that they're going to be accomplishing tasks is differently. So they need to be mentored in different ways. Carrie learned that to be an effective mentor, she still needed support from her own mentors. I realized that what I needed from my group of mentors was some kind of more explicit recommendations on how to handle these mentorship relationships that I was kind of cultivating and the ways to navigate certain conversations and how to balance having two interns and everything. Carrie sat down with her mentors. She explained the aspects of mentoring she was struggling with, and in return, her mentors offered her insights. I think one of the best pieces of advice that my mentor Todd gave me was he was like, if you are taking on two interns, what you need to do is get a list of the things that you're working on and the projects they're working on and approach your supervisor, who would be Renee in this case, and say, because I'm taking on these two new projects, I need to take X off my plate. And he said, that's the best thing that you can do for your supervisor. Be very explicit about what you won't be able to spend time on because you're now taking on these two new people in your life. As Carrie looked to her own mentors for support, she realized that she also needed to spend time reflecting on her past mentoring experiences. And I think one thing that has become really apparent to me is that it's really important to reflect on your mentoring experiences, kind of what you found positive and negative in the past, and then what you want to be bringing forward as a mentor. Because I think a lot of people go into a situation where they're going to be a mentor and they say, oh, well, I've been mentored in the past, so I'll know what to do. But I think without kind of explicit reflection, you aren't going to know what to do because Um, You know, being able to have difficult conversations or even just being able to move projects forward, setting timelines for people. But I've realized that it takes a lot more hard work and it takes a lot more reflection to understand, you know, what do I want to be bringing into this mentoring relationship? How am I going to balance my own workload with their workload to make sure that I'm kind of moving their projects forward and staying on top of the things that I need to do? The support from her mentors and self-reflection helped prepare Carrie to become an effective mentor. But Carrie never stopped being a mentee because mentorship required a whole new skill set and she needed the support to learn it. Throughout all the conversations with the students in this series, something's been made really clear to me. Mentoring is a set of skills that have to be learned, practiced, and improved upon. Most people aren't born as natural mentors. But when mentoring skills are developed, it can actually help both mentees and mentors progress even further in STEM. Trayvon Giles saw this firsthand when he hit an unexpected obstacle in his academic career. Trayvon had started his research career the only student in his lab. He thought this was an advantage for him until he joined a summer program researching in a lab where one of his mentors pointed out that it could be a disadvantage too. 
he told me it was a disadvantage. And he was one of the first people to say to me, it's a, dis- a disadvantage. And he kind of just said, like, how do you know you really know this stuff if you can't teach someone else it or have someone else to continue along? And I, at the time, I thought, well, I don't know enough. I don't have enough experience or enough context to be able to teach another student. And he just said, you know, if you don't know it now, how are you ever going to gain that unless you start trying to build context and start trying to build experience? And so when I came back, I recruited two students to join the lab and I just started trying to teach them everything that I knew. And I realized that there was a lot of things that I didn't truly know that the way I thought I knew, but then there were other things that I knew really well. When Trayvon started guiding the new students in the lab, he became a more effective mentor, and he became a better scientist in the process. And as he resumed meeting with his mentors, he realized he could be a better mentee, too. And I think that opened up a whole new relationship between Dr. Hathel and I, because it took a lot of work off of her, but then I also realized how I could be a better mentee to her, which is something I never truly thought about. I kind of always just thought about maximizing my time with her. I realized I could be more efficient in my communication, but also more aware of her time in the context around the things that she needs. And I realized that I could sort of mold how she chooses to mentor other students by giving her feedback about the things that worked and didn't work with us. Trayvon learned to be a better mentee by mentoring other students. This opened a new chapter between him and his mentor. And I think before I was mentoring other students, I kind of just thought I need to learn everything from her every moment I get, and that's it. There was never really a two-way street. It was always her feeding me and me just trying to make it up to her by doing things correctly. And I think that second year, it really turned into a a two-way street where I was giving her ideas, I was giving her critiques, I was giving her resources, everything. And some of them, she would bounce back at me and say, hey, this isn't a good idea, or this is a good idea, but it became a communication. And so that opened up that window of communication. And since then, I've tried to mentor someone every year, wherever I've been at. When Trayvon stepped up to become a leader and mentor his peers, he grew his skills in ways he couldn't have imagined. And he even helped his mentor to grow as well. At the beginning of the episode, I mentioned that there's this cycle of a mentoring relationship where maybe at first the mentee and mentor are getting to know one another. They build trust, and the mentor learns how to best support their mentee. As the relationship continues, it becomes more of a two-way street, like Trayvon mentioned, where the mentor is now empowering the mentee to guide others, and in turn, the mentee gets to also guide and support their mentor. Then, when the time comes, the relationship may end. Trayvon reflected on all the mentors he's had over the course of his career. He could see that even though the relationships were over, they each served a unique purpose. I kind of just view mentors or all of my mentors as chapters in a journey, you know, of being the scientist or person that I want to be. And so there are definitely times a chapter closes, but just because that chapter is closed doesn't mean that I can't go back and reread it to learn some of the things that I've learned. A mentoring relationship can end for a lot of reasons. Every student's experience may be different. 
I'm moving on to the next phase in life. Like, I did like my undergraduate lab professor. Like, she was very helpful and like was nice enough to let me be her work study for a little bit and then asked me to join her lab, which was really cool. But that mentorship ended just because I finished my undergraduate career and I've moved on to different things. So I've never ended a mentoring relationship. I think some of them have kind of naturally dropped off just because we're no longer in the same area or things like that. So I think just making sure to you know, check in with people. And I don't feel like it has to be all the time, but I know whenever I check in with the people who have been my mentors, they always really appreciate hearing what I'm up to and kind of getting that check-in. So it doesn't have to be this overwhelming kind of stressful thing. It's just every now and then. After a relationship ends, a lot of students keep in touch with their mentor. They'll see each other at conferences, in meetings, and may keep up through email and social media. But sometimes mentoring relationships don't end well and the parties involved don't stay connected. In an earlier episode, Dr. Jeremy Waysom told us about her experience with a negative mentoring relationship. At one point, she and her mentor had a difficult conversation where they laid out the problems they were having and attempted to work through them. I think after I had that conversation with him where I kind of laid out how I felt about my relationship and the, and the work that I was doing, really put us on a different footing Soon after this conversation, Dr. Waysom graduated and the relationship ended. It wasn't exactly a happy ending. And, you know, he didn't hood me. He wasn't the person who was at my graduation. Even though this mentoring relationship didn't end well, Dr. Waysom decided to turn to another one of her mentors to help her make sense of everything that happened. And my another one of my mentors helped me come to that realization because she basically said, you know, you learn something in every situation. There is good in every situation. So find that and hold on to it. Like, hold on to the light in the darkness. And you kind of need people like that who will, who will point you to the light in the dark situations. And so I was at peace. She was the person who ultimately walked with me in graduation. Dr. Waysom realized that even though one of her mentoring relationships didn't end in the way she hoped it might, she had other mentors to turn to who would continue to support and guide her after she graduated. And that's pretty much was the end of things. You're not meant to be close with everyone that you encounter. And that's a lesson, I think, for people. You don't have to have the world's best advisor to get a PhD. You just have to have someone who's willing to work with you. And you can find the support that you need elsewhere. Mentoring relationships end. Sometimes because the student graduates, the faculty moves on to a different position, or because the mentee and mentor couldn't work effectively together. And sometimes they evolve into a new relationship, a friendship, colleagues, or even a new iteration of mentorship. Often, these transitions reveal what it means to be an effective mentor— And when mentors and mentees learn and develop effective mentoring skills from each other or from resources like the science of mentorship or mentorship education, they open more opportunities to thrive in STEM. Together, mentees and mentors can support and guide one another to progress their fields and progress the growth in each other. I feel like I'm part of this new generation to where the people who came before us who struggled and fought, now there are mentors and we're benefacting from where we're being benefactors from their struggle. And now we're able to continue and spread this beautiful mentorship of, you look like me, 
I know your struggle. I have your experience. Let's do this together. This is the final episode of season two of The Science of Mentorship. I wanted to thank all of the students who shared their stories with me. I hope you enjoyed hearing from them as much as I did. May we all learn from them and be inspired to become more effective mentors. If you or your institution is interested in how to implement effective mentoring practices, visit the report The Science of Effective Mentoring in STEM at nas.edu mentoring. If you enjoyed The Science of Mentorship, please tell your friends, colleagues, students, teachers, and of course, your mentors and mentees about our podcast and help others discover it by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks for listening. Thank you.